You've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work. What are you waiting for? Give my friends at Hoggett Injury Law a call. Their motto with us is personal. Known Darby Hoggett forever. We traveled the country watching baseball. We talked a lot of Broncos football on those trips. In fact, many of his clients become his good friends just like I have. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be writing checks to you. So if you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give Darby a call. That's 1-833-HOGGETT, one 833 or visit the website at hoggettlaw.com. Welcome to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rank. I am your host, Troy Rank, from Denver 7. It is January and we're talking Broncos, but there's never a postseason for talking Broncos anymore. Getting old, getting really old. <laughs> have not been to the playoffs since winning Super Bowl 50. Have not had a winning season since 2016 when they went 9 and 7. But a little bit of hope, shreds of optimism at 8 and 9, a cultural change. But then you look at it and go, is it enough to gain footing in the AFC in general and the AFC West specifically? With Andy Reid at the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, now Jim Harbaugh with Justin Herbert with the Chargers, and Antonio Pierce, who really made his way as an interim and is now the head coach of the Raiders, a team that's beaten the Broncos eight straight times. you got to be competitive in the AFC West, which they were much better last year. And you've got to find a way to beat the teams you're supposed to beat at home. And it all goes back to that quarterback question. We looked at the draft possibilities in the last podcast. I got some great feedback from people who enjoyed that, kind of looking at and examining the scenarios where you stay put at 12 and take someone like a Bo Nix, a J.J. McCarthy. Uh, you trade back, take maybe an offensive tackle or edge rusher and pick up a second-round pick, and maybe that's where you make a stab at a Michael Penix in the early second round or a Michael Pratt from Tulane. And that way you address multiple needs. You know, some are saying that there's buzz that the Broncos could try to move up to get the third quarterback available in the draft if that's Jaden Daniels from LSU. I, I just don't know how they do that without trading Pat Sertan. And if you want to argue that they should do that, okay. I, I just, that for a team that has basically given away its drafts for the Russell Wilson trade and the Sean Payton acquisition, I'm not sure that's the best strategy. Moving forward, but if it's your guy and you believe it's your guy, you have to take a shot. I, I don't know what I would do on that yet. I'd have to see the acquisition price first. Because um, once you get outside of Caleb Williams, Drake May, I mean, Jade Daniels, I love him. Heisman Trophy winner, 50, counted for 50 touchdowns last year. He's not very big. He's not a big guy. He's listed at 185. He would have to get to 200, 205 to have a chance to stay healthy in the NFL, especially if he's going to try to run around. But is that a guy that you make a play for? We'll see. Or do you stay, again, stay put and take someone? Or do you trade back and take someone? There are going to be a lot of options available. But one of the options is finding a bridge quarterback in free agency to pair with Jared Stidham, and then you can still draft someone. So under my scenario, you bring in a veteran free agent who's either obviously the guy for a year or he comes in and competes with Jared Stidham and the winner stays on the team, the loser gets cut. And we've seen this, something similar happened in 2016 with Mark Sanchez. 
he was brought in to kind of be a bridge guy, and then Trevor Simeon beat him out with Paxton Lynch on the roster. Mark was cut, and then he ended up signing with the Cowboys. It might have been a trade. I can't remember. But that's a scenario you could also see playing out. And that's the one I want to look at today is we've looked at the draft issue, and that's in the last podcast if you weren't able to catch that. And thank you, Broncos Country, for those of you who download and find it wherever you find your podcast. Thank you for finding the Broncos podcast that I do. The The traffic remains steady in the offseason, and it's been a, it's a quiet time. Broncos are not going through a coaching change. They haven't had any changes on their staff other than Christian Parker, their DB coach, interviewing for the defensive coordinator's job with the Patriots and then the Packers. Now, there's just not a lot of movement right now with the Broncos staff. They outed a guy from New Orleans to their scouting staff. Uh, that'll happen this week. But nothing of significance in terms of the general nature of the team. I mean, that's pretty deep into the weeds when we start talking about professional scout and, and an area scout that's going to be responsible for the SEC. That's just, again, it's a little off the beaten path. Not that it's not relevant. Everything with the Broncos is relevant, but it's not as relevant as uh, obviously if we're thinking about <laughs> uh, a GM change or someone like that. But they did, uh, they are hiring Cody Rager to a senior position in the front office. Uh, he comes from New Orleans. It's a longtime scout, uh, and he'll help the evaluating of players uh, for Sean Payton and work with George Payton. So uh, that's an ad, and obviously there could be some movement in the front office or coaching staff, but uh, this is about adding a fresh set of eyes, that a guy who knows Sean Payton who can pair with George Payton. Again, that is Cody Rager, who was highly regarded in New Orleans, and he will be added to the Broncos staff. But that's a little more in the weeds. What we're talking about today is the bridge quarterback. And I know Broncos fans are so over this, but that is the reality of where they are right now. Now, again, if they move up to number three, you get a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May, that kid could come in and play fairly quickly. I, I would say this, and Chase Daniels has said this on his podcast, he played for Sean Payton. Sean Payton's offense is not easy for a young player to learn. It's going to take a guy who's a veteran, who's smart, and even then, the idea of a rookie taking over and starting a week one or two, that's a little ambitious for me, given what I know about Sean Payton's offense after watching it for a year, for a year and talking with players in it. It's, it's not easily digestible. So that is, again, even if they draft someone, there's likely going to be another veteran in here to compete with Stidham. Man, Stidham played two games. He went one and one, just pretty ordinary. Nothing great, nothing bad, really, but uh, I can't imagine they won't bring in some version of competition. So what would that look like if they do? I mean, who are some of the names we have to keep an eye on? And I think you look at it, there are some interesting options. There's some pie-in-the-sky options if they want to spend money, and maybe you, you know, again, you rework contracts to allow yourself. I just don't see a scenario where you spend much money on a quarterback if you you're paying Russell Wilson $34.9 million in this year to go away, and then another essentially $45 million the following year. It's $85 million total over two years. I don't see that you're going to be able to play on a bigger-priced quarterback or that even a medium-ranged quarterback in free agency. But who are some of those players? What does that list look like? What could it mean for the Broncos? Because we saw with Tampa Bay. They rebounded. We saw it last the year before with uh, Seattle. It's doable, but you got to find the right guy. 
and you got to find him to fit in your economic structure as you're trying to balance and build out a roster when you're dealing with some cap issues. So what does that look like? We'll get to all of it after the break. Memories are for everyone. They bring back goosebumps or reminders of great times in your life. That's where Most Valuable Portraits, Inc. comes in. They are hometown. They are led by Most Valuable Portraits ace. That's Max Vila. His company specializes in school portraits, yearbooks, team sports, and corporate events. I see they're doing team pictures right now for spring baseball teams, travel teams. They do amazing work. They have 29 years of experience in the volume industry. You want it done right, have Max do it. They have the best and most experienced photographers in the industry. As Max told me, we are here to serve. Give Max a call, 303-285-1033, 303-285-1033, or email him at support at mostvaluableportraits.com. That's support at mostvaluableportraits.com. Hey, the weather is getting nicer, but you know it's supposed to snow this weekend. So again, glass doors can be a nice touch and keep your home warm and more comfortable. Jamie Haig knows all about it. He and his wife, Lisa, run RBJ Glass. It's a family business. They pride themselves on customer service, integrity, honesty. They put on a glass door and sliding screen for our house. It looks great. We love it. They do great work. RBJ Glass installs European shower enclosures, standard shower glass. They do mirrors and window and glass replacement insulated doggy doors, office cubicles, and small commercial storefronts. They have competitive prices and offer discounts to veterans, senior citizens, and have even accommodated single parents. So give my friend Jamie of RBJ Glass a call. That's Jamie at 720-883-3144. That's 720-883-3144. Or email Jamie at rbjglass2017 at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Broncos Pod with Troy Rink. I am your host, Troy Rink, having some fun here. It's a beautiful day. Took the Bulldog Bentley on a long walk this morning. He was loving it. Got a little gassed. There was sun out there on his uh, brindle, dark brown fur, and he got a little hot. Had to pull over, find some shade, but I love it. Finally heating up, high 50s, maybe even low 60s. We got that cold snap that was just bitter. You couldn't even go outside. It was so cold. Not fit for man. Or beast, but now it's starting to warm up. Spring brings hope. It always did for me with baseball. My son's college baseball season at Pepperdine will be beginning soon. But certainly when I would go to spring training around Valentine's Day, you know, hope springs eternal at this time of year. And the Broncos fans, Broncos country, can you have a little hope? I know it's hard. <laughs> I get it. How do you have hope when you're staring at the 14th starter, says Peyton Manning? But at some point, they got to get this situation right. Even if the temporary fix is right, it could set you up to a permanent solution. So what does a bridge quarterback look like? And maybe even a better version of a bridge. It's more of a, a golden gate than it is that old wooden thing at the park that you cross and wonder if your foot's going to fall through. Maybe it's something better along those lines. But they got to find an answer And because I don't believe they'll go to camp with just Stidham and Danucci. I don't see that. And so... By March 17th, they have to make a decision on Russell Wilson. And that's when, uh, obviously, the expectation is either before that or on that date, they are going to designate Wilson as a June 1st salary cap cut designation. And then you got to move on. And you got to find someone. And Stidham, again, he's only made four starts. You can't say that you're comfortable just with him. He's done some nice things. Obviously, Sean Payton thinks highly of him. They pursued him on the first day of free agency a year ago. So there is real interest there in him and him succeeding. 
but you can't go into camp without competition for him. And that's beyond anyone you would draft. So what would that look like? Um, you know, George Payton is insisting by after a year together, almost a calendar year, that they know what it looks like in terms of a free agent quarterback and a, a drafted quarterback. He believes he knows. So I hope so. I hope they're on the same page because that is critical. Um, it's critical if this team's going to figure it out. Well, what does it look like? What does it look like? If you look at Tampa, they were in a situation like Denver with $80 million in dead cap, Tom Brady's contract came due, and they took they just basically absorbed the dead cap money essentially in one year. And how were they able to survive that and reach the playoffs? The being in the NFC helps, folks. Let's not be naive to that. If you're going to be rebuilding and getting straight, the NFC is the place to be. <laughs> AFC is the varsity, and the NFC at times feels like the JV. Not the higher end, but certainly the NFC South. That's a terrible division this past year for the most part, and Tampa Bay benefited from that. Not their fault. You can only play the schedule in front of you. But Tampa Bay goes with Baker Mayfield on a make-good deal. Mayfield had bounced around at that point. He went Cleveland, Carolina, Rams for a cup of espresso and a layover, and then Tampa. So there's like three teams in a span of two years, and he played his butt off. 4,000-plus yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 picks. I know in talking to sources, Mayfield would be interested in uh, the Broncos and Sean Payton. The issue is he's put himself in position with that season for a Geno Smith-type contract. That, for me, is kind of the the starting off point for him. Three-year, $105 million. He's played similar to Geno. He's younger than Geno. Uh, he's got every reason to ask for that with a straight face. And Tampa Bay could give it to him. Guarantees probably two years of it. Then you move on after that uh, if you need to. But Mayfield, while he would be a good fit, I believe, in the Sean Payton offense, I don't know that Tampa lets him go. So I think you could try to kick the tires on that. I'm just not sure how you make that work. Uh, I mean, he basically made $4 million and got incentives up to about six eight. He's looking at four times that in free agency, five times that. And so if he even reaches free agency with Tampa Bay, may not, I, I, I don't know. Now, again, if they don't resign Mike Evans and they just lost their offensive coordinator, who's now Canales, who's now the head coach of Carolina, crazier things have happened. Even then, I'm just not sure how you make the money work, which brings us to Kirk Cousins. Cousins has made a lot of money and he has managed the system unbelievably well. He's, Total $180 million plus in guaranteed contracts. No one has played the system better than Kirk Cousins and his agent, Mike McCarthy. And credit to him. 100% credit to him. But now he's coming off a major Achilles injury halfway through last season. He's still going to be looking for $30 million plus. Why wouldn't he? In eight games last year, he was 2,300 yards, 18 touchdowns, five picks. I mean, he was on pace to lead the league in touchdown passes. They love him in Minnesota. They love the way he handled his injury. When you look at all the drama of Aaron Rodgers and every week, will he, won't he, and he's a medical marvel, and no one's ever uh, healed as fast as Rodgers. All his cousins did is put his head down, do his charity work, and support his team. And you can pass judgment either way, but he is beloved in Minnesota at this point. I believe they're going to be really uh, aggressive trying to re-sign him. 
So I take him off the list. I just don't see it. Now, if you want to look at now more realistic options in terms of guys who haven't played as much or reclamation projects, let's go Jake Browning in Cincinnati. He comes in for Joe Burrow this year, plays surprisingly well for a guy who's been several years in the league. He was undrafted out of Washington in 2019, just got killed, I think it was by Alabama in the college football playoff. And it just, I lost track of him, if I'm being honest. I, I didn't know he was still in the league. He just wasn't playing. He hadn't played a snap in four years. I didn't know he was still in the league. I thought he might have gotten cut at some point. Well, he comes in and plays, and it was decent. 12 touchdowns, 7 picks, 19, uh, 1,936 yards. Now, again, he's got better receivers than the Broncos have when you start looking at the stars for the Bengals and their wide receiver group. They're better. They're better than the Broncos, and it's not an argument between Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and pick a guy. They have better receivers. But still, it was impressive. The, the work he did, I think it was on that Monday night or Thursday night game against Jacksonville, played out of his mind, and – he had a 3-0 and stretch at one point. I mean, he's encouraging stuff. He played on the minimum, 750000 So he could be a guy that could be looking at the Baker Mayfield make good contract at $3.5, million, something to file away. Uh, again, based on how he played, it's not a lot there. The resume is this year. There's nothing else there, and he's been in the league for a while. But at $3.5, million, guaranteed, that's the kind of guy that could make some sense to bring in to compete. I've heard Mason Rudolph as well. I'm not a Rudolph fan at all. Now, he had three touchdowns, no picks, 719 yards. He was the third stringer behind Mitch Trubisky and, and Pickett and finally got his chance. Again, he's playing on a veteran minimum. He would be cheap. I just don't see it. He's 29 years old when training camp would start. He doesn't move the needle for me at all. He's got size, uh, and he's not real mobile, but he has size. Again, Sean Payton wants someone that's going to be on time. One, two, three, ball out. Use crossing routes. Use the route tree. Know what you're seeing across the line of scrimmage. So I don't rule out, I don't rule out. Rudolph is a candidate. He would not be near the top of my list. I just don't see it. And Kirk Cousins, again, he, he's out. Make, Mayfield and Cousins would be. I don't see that either one of them leaving their current teams. So then you go Browning. Uh, I would put Ryan Tannehill probably right there with Browning. Uh, Tannehill's coming off uh, a bad year. I mean, again, from 19 to 2021, a little bath that he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, a guy who could run, a guy who was mobile. Uh, he fit the Arthur Smith offense, and then Arthur Smith moves on to the Falcons, and he just these last two years, he just has not been good. He had a terrible playoff game a couple years ago where he just uh, looked like he went colorblind uh, before the game, and, you, and he's going to be 36, so... Again, he is the definition of a true bridge. But someone like Browning, I mean, you're talking about a guy who could develop into something, perhaps, given his age, coming into the league in 19. Tannehill is near the end. He, for me, projects as a backup. Could he beat out a Jared Stidham? Of course he could because he's got more experience. He's one. He's a guy you could afford. Uh, he's, he's an interesting guy because of his mobility, but his injuries have just made him way, way, way less appealing than he was a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, he's not the guy there. Will Levitz is the guy in Tennessee. A fresh start for him. His second fresh start, he was at one time a huge prospect for the Dolphins and resurrected his career in Tennessee. I just, he just really profiles as a backup for me, a guy you would trust to come in and play. 
two or three games. But if he's your starter in the AFC, AFC West, yeesh, I don't know. I don't see a lot of upside there, but I wouldn't rule it out. I would not rule it out because of his experience, and he's going to be cheap. I mean, that's the reality. Gardner Minshew is someone who comes up, yeah, 15 touchdowns, nine picks, and he is better than people think. He's had a winning record in the NFL. He's a guy who's incredibly competitive. He finds a way to make plays, keep you in games. But the offense they run under Steichen, a little more RPO, I don't see the natural fit with Sean Payton's offense. I don't. I see a guy who's fitting in perfectly with Steichen. That's not the offense the Broncos run. Now, again, Sean Payton can show some flexibility and variance, but he didn't show a lot of that with Russell Wilson. And so Menchu is of the players we've mentioned is coming off the best season in terms of best season and affordable, the combination of the two. And he played at three and a half million last year. He's going to be looking for a raise, but how big, you know, is that 10 million, 12 million? He could be affordable. He'd be more on the expensive side than a, a Browning, certainly a Tannehill who barely played this year, uh, a Rudolph. I just, for the price, I don't know that the fit is there in this offense. As much as I love Minshew Mania, the story, the hair, the stash, everything about it from a media perspective is fantastic. It's just, I don't know that there's a fit there. Sam Darnold, someone I've talked about a lot. You could get him on the cheap. He's still relatively young. You saw him in the preseason up close. He's a guy that could still be, uh, his career could rebound. And we're talking about the third overall pick in the 2018 draft. He's still in his mid-20s. He's still a young guy. Now, his history with the Jets in a lesser degree with Carolina is turnover machine. And that's what got Russell Wilson into trouble at times. Sean Payton, you know, he got spoiled by Drew Brees. Guy who's incredibly accurate, finds a way to make plays that doesn't turn the ball over. But Sam Darnold is an interesting bridge guy because he would be cheap, but again, now he would be on his fourth team and his career in third team in three years, if I'm right, because it would be Jets, Carolina, San Francisco, um, Denver. So, But just in the last two, it would be Carolina, San Francisco, Denver, three teams in three years. But we just saw Baker Mayfield go through something similar and find a way to rebound like Dennis Rodman. Could Sam Darnold be that guy that Sean Payton says, hey, young guy, I loved his talent coming out of the draft. He looks the part. He's become, he learned the Shanahan offense. He understands the value of ball protection, ball security. Maybe. I think you definitely have to follow it away. He would be closer to the top of the list. Jameis Winston is also on there as well. He went 5-2 and two under Sean Payton, uh, played well for him in 2021 before tearing his ACL. But that, that's a long time ago. When people say it, when they used to say this about Teddy Bridgewater, they say it about Case Keenum, or they say it about Joe Flacco. In the NFL, when you start talking about a guy, oh, he had this great season three years ago, the NFL ages players in dog years, especially skill position players. Now, sometimes you see the Joe Flacco Disney story happen, and I love it. I love everything about it. Pinch me. I got goosebumps. Pinch me. I'm dreaming. <laughs> I get it. But typically speaking, when you start saying this guy's best year was three years ago, the chance of him reclaiming that is not incredibly high. You've got to understand the statistical odds of that. But Winston does know Sean Payton. He played well for Sean Payton. He hasn't really done anything the last few years. He's 30. Uh, could he come back 
and play well as a bridge guy for Sean Payton. I don't rule it out. And then that next group of guys is just a bunch of guys that, you know, some of them have been quarterbacks for the Broncos before Drew Locke. I, I don't see them re-engaging with that. I root for Drew. I hope it works out. But I just don't see him coming back here making a lot of sense. Just too much back. It's too much. There's just too much there. Too much of too much. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to retire. Flacco, again, Flacco for me is a backup. It, it fit perfectly, the story. But bringing him back here wouldn't make any sense. So it gets to me when you start looking at a bridge quarterback. Number one, you want someone that can compete with Jared Stidham. Number two, you got to have a guy that's affordable if you're not going to play on Baker Mayfield and or Kirk Cousins because of the fact you're already paying this year right at $35 million for Russell Wilson to go away. So to try to bring in a Mayfield or a Cousins, the math of that, it's not impossible, but you're going to have to restructure pretty much a bunch of contracts with Simmons and Bulls. You're going to have to cut three or four to five guys. Like at some point, it's counterproductive that to afford a second quarterback at high money as you're paying Wilson to go away, you're cutting so many players and you only have six draft picks. It'd be different if you have 13 picks and like, we're going completely young this year, but we want a veteran quarterback to help stabilize things. When we do play well, we can still win. It's just, I don't see it with Cousins and or Mayfield. So that brings in that next group of Jake Browning, Ryan Tannehill, uh, certainly a Sam Darnold. Uh, those guys, until Lester DeGee, Mason Rudolph, and a Jameis Winston, all guys to keep on your radar. And don't punch me through the microphone, Broncos fan. I understand some of you are throwing up in your mouth right now as you drive. These are not exciting options. The exciting option, though, is part of this. There, there is a nuanced part of this. You bring in a veteran. He wins the job, beats out Stidham, or Stidham wins it and plays well. And you draft somebody that is the future whether that's moving up to one of the top three quarterbacks, like a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May, because I believe it's a foregone conclusion, Caleb Williams goes one. You stay at 12 and get a J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, a Michael Penix. You move back from 12 into the 20s and take a tackle, an edge, or corner. And then in the early second round with that pick you acquire to move back, you get a Michael Pratt, you get a Spencer Rattler, someone like that, but you have a clear plan for the quarterback position that this year, bridge guy, second year or late in that 2024 season, young quarterback plays. So going into 2025, it sets you up to be in position to have stability at the position. At that point, Sean Payton's got to be like, okay, this is a five-year plan, not four, because you're not going to get, I mean, his whole goal is to get to a Super Bowl. You're not going to get to a Super Bowl in 2025, likely with a, a second-year quarterback rookie who's got one start, but that's okay. That's okay. If next year you go 8-9 and nine again with a bridge guy and the young guy plays the last two games and you go into 2025 with cap space, with a full allotment of draft picks and the future quarterback, at least now you've got something to follow through with. Like I've said before, when he said, which team would you model of those final four? It would be Detroit. It'd be Detroit. They had their golf. Maybe you find that in a Browning or you're a Tannehill or someone of that ilk, a Winston for a couple of years to get you through. 
But the reality is you have to have a plan for this position because to go no drafted quarterback, Stidham versus somebody, neither one of them are very good, and then you get at the end of next year, and now here we go again trying to pick, I just don't think that makes sense. You've got to address it this year in a meaningful way. And for me, that is bringing a veteran that's affordable to compete with Stidham, the one who's the best in camp, wins the job, the other one gets cut, and you have your first or second round draft pick sitting in the wings waiting to take over at some point later in the season. That, for me, as we sit here today, things could change, represents the best plan for the Broncos moving forward. Let me know what you guys think. I'm at Twitter, at Troy Ring, T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K, on Facebook as well. At some point, I'll join uh, TikTok. Uh, We're starting to see the Senior Bowl stuff, and uh, we're starting to see East-West Shrine, so we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, This week is the Pro Bowl. The Broncos have three representatives there with Pat Sertan, Marvin Mims Jr., and Justin Simmons, so you could see some noise coming out of there. But this is a bit of a quiet time, and then it starts to heat up in early February. Then we have the Combine at the end of the month where we'll talk to George Payton and Sean Payton, start having a better idea of what their free agent list looks like, what they're considering in the draft. But free agency for me has to include, like it did last year with Stidham, a quarterback to come in to compete with him but not ruling out a draft pick. Whether you move up, whether you stay at 12, whether you trade back. But the Broncos cannot go into this season without a clear plan at quarterback moving forward. Folks, I hope you enjoyed it. You guys are the best. Uh, This pod would not be possible without my great friends at Hoggett Injury Law. Nate Lundy of Mile High Sports, Jamie Haig of RBJ Glass, and Max Vila of Most Valuable Portraits, Inc. These are all local businesses. Please uh, use them. If it comes up, you have a chance. It means the world. Broncos, and certainly my son, he's getting ready to go to spring training this week with the San Francisco Giants. I could not do this without him producing the pods, so he'll be heading to uh, Scottsdale soon. Uh, I can't thank him enough. Broncos country, I do the pod for you. Happiness that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day.